tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, I've got a special interview with Keith Smith, folks, joined by my BetMGM co-host, Ryan Horvath, and we recorded this on a recent episode of our show, BetMGM Tonight. Keith's awesome. He's a legit NBA insider. He works for Track. He's been in the business a very long time, and he is perfectly qualified to break down all of the news from around the league, as well as the tea and the rumors, including the latest on the Lakers, Hawks, and Clippers. This interview was done before the Rui Hachimura trade, just as a heads up. A lot of fun. Do me a favor, Nick, and drop that beat. No, but I have a question. We'll ask Keith Smith about this. This has nothing to do with the Celtics. Let's do it. I thought Cam Johnson was out for the year. No, Cam Johnson's not out for the year. I thought there, there was like an indefinite timetable. He's coming back against the net. Uh, he was not out for the year. It was one of those indefinite things. But yeah. anytime it's a meniscus, yeah, you never really know where it's going to go with that. My concern is, I hope that last ad wasn't a targeted ad towards me. That's what I'm concerned about. No, no, it wasn't, Keith. We know everything <laughs> right. in your world works just great. Well, well, I don't personally know that, but I just am assuming that. <laughs> in this first clip, Keith talks about the Lakers and what we should make of Russell Westbrook. Should he be the sixth man of the year? Pretty interesting take. I like Keith. Uh, so we get also into some other awards talk, like maybe Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, I think what we see happen a lot with these awards is sometimes it turns into the collective, like, oh, man, this team was first, so we got to reward everybody. And sometimes that snowballs, and that, that could be the way Brogdon wins it. But I, I'll say I think he would also be very deserving. I think he's played great. I think Westbrook's win would come in if, Somebody pulls up basketball reference and is like, well, he had the most points, rebounds, and assists every night off the bench. So right. I'm just giving it to him. And and I, I don't – I hate to beat up my media brethren, but when some of them openly admit that's what they do when they fill out their awards ballot, 
that's sometimes how those awards get won. So it is what it is there. But, yeah, I, I think Brogdon definitely has a real chance of winning sixth man, and I think he'd be very deserving because he's played great in that role all season. Yeah, that, no, well, and my thing is I think it is narratively it is great that he accepted that, and we're seeing some guys can make that transition, other guys can't. But I don't think you give an award based on, well, he didn't act like a huge jerk, so we have to reward yeah. him for that. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, that that's where – and I'm not saying that's how it necessarily would have went. But, again, I do – I know what you're saying with that because I have seen some people say, well, you got to kind of reward, you know, him for making this big uh, career transition as well, which, I mean, fine, I guess, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's necessarily how it should work. I'm actually curious about this award too, Keith, and I'm looking at the Brooklyn Nets and last year and the year before that, for that matter, the Brooklyn Nets defensively were abysmal. Like they had spurts where they played pretty good defense, but ever since Jacques Vaughn took over, they've been insane defensively. Last 15 games, they're actually number two in the league for defensive rating. And you look at Nick Claxton and he's just been an absolute beast leading the league in blocks does a little bit of everything for the Nets, and it's really just him kind of anchoring things for them. He's plus 900 right now to win Defensive Player of the Year, right uh, behind Jaron Jackson and Brooke Lopez. Do you think that there's any any real reality that he could win it? I, I think he could. I think what you're going to need there is kind of that groundswell of support, like what Marcus Smart mm. got yeah. last year, where it's like, we got to, you know, reward this guy's maybe a little bit out of the public consciousness with, with this. Unfortunately, I think that might end up being Jaron Jackson Jr. Because it's still, he plays on Memphis. They're not a big market team. A lot of people still don't necessarily recognize how good he is and how good they are. So that may be where the, the voters kind of really push that. But we could see that happen with, with Nick Claxton. And again, he'd be a guy who's really deserved. One of the things I think that's been really good is Jacques Vaughn, when he took over, um, basically, if you watch them play it, we're not going to do 15 different things defensively night to night. We're going to do a few things. But what I'm going to ask you to do is play really hard with a ton of effort and execute at a high level. And that's all been geared around Nick Claxton being kind of, hey, I'll cover for anybody. If anything breaks down out on the perimeter, I got you. I'll you know handle this on the back line. And he's done a wonderful job with that. He's, he's him and the return to health of Ben Simmons. And then also – it gets missed because he's such a wonderful player in the other facets of the game. But Kevin Durant is one heck of a defensive player, too. Yeah. Yeah, he really is. You know, I'm really curious if it's just me. Because when I look at what's happening with Atlanta, with all of the organizational changes that have been made in the middle of the year, with the owner's son taking over, bringing in Kyle Korver, bringing in Landry Fields, uh, bringing in you know former beat reporters for the Washington or for the uh, Golden State Warriors, excuse me. Is that is this like is it just me or is that weird? Yeah, the whole thing's a little weird. The the fact that we're on a second coach that the star player is having issues with is a little weird. But their their whole handling that front office, it's not uncommon when we get the whole well you know this guy's going to stay on as a consultant when we all know. He's not consulting anything at all. Yeah, yeah. But then it's very, very plainly made and leaked to the media of, hey, that's not actually happening. He's completely out of here. Um, even though, you know, the press release said otherwise. That whole situation has gone a little sideways. And I think there's a lot of dysfunction there. That That's a team that when you watch them play, they don't look happy. They don't look like they really want to play together. 
It just looks like a whole bunch of guys that are doing their own thing a lot of times. And I think what's happened is they had that really good year a couple years ago, and then they bought into it too much, where it was instead of recognizing, well, yeah, there was a weird stuff going on in the East, and a couple teams were injured, and we made it past them, and you know, we made this run of the East Finals, it was, no, this is who we are now. And then when they weren't that last year, it was like, uh-oh, and now that's carried over to this year where it's been now become a real problem for that team that they've got to figure out. How much better, how much of a boost do you think John Collins would have production-wise if he went to a change of scenery? Huge. I think John Collins is a really, really good player. And I know a lot of people are like, what happened to his shooting? He's not shooting as well. And I, my take on that is when I watch the Hawks, it's hard to, when you're a rhythm guy, to find rhythm when you get a quality touch once every five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten possessions. Yeah. Because you have two guards that dominate all the touches. And and I'm not calling Trey Young and DeJounte Murray selfish. They're just, that's who they are as players. They're going to have the ball a ton. I think they their hope was, let's give Trey another guy so he can get off the ball a little bit. Another guy, Murray, who can help ease his playmaking burden. But what you do sometimes there is now you can't find that balance to be everybody the touches they need to be involved and engaged in the game. In this clip, Keith discusses his thoughts on the Clippers, who, like me, he was very high on before the season. We also finish up with who he's more concerned about, the Raptors or the Blazers? Yeah, you and me both. I picked them to make it out of the West, too. And I thought even when they're resting guys, their their overall depth of talent is so large, they'll be fine. And the reality is in a era where teams have devalued the regular season and basically said, uh, we just got to get to the playoffs healthy. No one has done more so of that than the Clippers. They just blatantly don't care. It's like we don't care who we play. It doesn't matter. We're just you know kind of out here getting through this. And I think their challenge is that's in general fine to an extent, but they've taken it too far where you cannot go into the postseason with your very best lineup having played something like 100 minutes together. Oh, yeah, you don't know what that looks or what you think are your best lineups. You don't even know if they are. And I, can they make a move? Yeah, they can make moves because they've got some salary sitting on their books. Like a guy like Robert Covington, not really a rotation player all the time. Reggie Jackson had been removed from the rotation in the last few weeks. Uh, getting back in there now with John Wall injured. But you've got matching salary. We know Steve Ballmer. He's not going to be afraid to take on a little bit more salary because he made whatever amount it'd be the penalty and the time it took me to say that sentence. So they're just going to do what they need to do. But I am worried about them because I just don't think you can go and have a successful playoff run when a lot of your guys are looking at each other like, oh, this is the first time we've played together. Let's see how this goes when you're in game one of a playoff series. Keith, who are you more worried about, um, not just this year, but I guess in the intermediate term, uh, the Blazers or the Raptors? Blazers in their last 10, 3-7, and 23rd defensive rating. There's a lot of things happening there defensively, just losing games late. And then Toronto, 5-5 five and five in their last 10. But they feel like maybe there's some issues with guys not liking each other, not liking their role, maybe having friction with Nick Nurse. Yeah, a lot more worried about the Raptors. I think they're uh, – I forget what they call it. I want to say they called it something like uh, – um, Project 6-9 or whatever it was because they were running all these dudes out there that were the same size and they had this plan of like we're going to be super switchable and all this stuff and that sounded good except all of a sudden none of those guys can shoot anymore and they completely disregarded that side of the 
of the court and their defense is good but it's not like dominant top of the league good so i'm very worried about them uh, collectively as a group I, I think there's a good chance that they are going to be you know really in trouble if they don't make some moves portland i think is more of a this was always a building season for them of mm. uh, hey we reset things let's kind of get things moving in the right direction again get damian lillard healthy and i think they're they're in general understanding of where they are in the place of hey we're fighting around the playing line i think they get it where toronto was hey we had bigger ambitions than this we're not there and i think we're going to see major changes come from toronto whether it's at the deadline or whether it's over the summer that team's going to look very very different BetMGM Tonight airs Monday through Friday live from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find it on demand as well on the Odyssey app. You can also find it on podcast form. Thank you to Keith. And a million thanks to my co-host Ryan Horvath and my producer PJ Glasser. That is it for a bonus episode of the Heat Check. Do not forget to check out the feed for past episodes and interviews. And please follow the Heat Check across the 2022-2023 NBA season. Download, subscribe, please tell your friends, and follow us on social at This Heat Check and at Trista Crick on TikTok because the Heat Check never sleeps.